Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and work. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Mutuality Matters podcast from Christians for Biblical Equality. Alongside my friend and ministry partner, Rob Dixon, I'm Lila Van Gerpen. Can women and men work alongside one another in healthy ministry partnerships? Our answer is an emphatic heck yes. And on this podcast, we interview practitioners exploring what flourishing mixed gender ministry partnerships look like in the field. This week, our guests are Andrew File and Kim File. While they share a last name, they are not married, nor brother and sister, but they are in-laws. Kim's husband is Andrew's brother. Here's a little bit about them. Kim is a mother of two and married to her awesome husband, Brian. She is passionate about seeing women thrive and know who they are. She does that in a variety of ways, including as a lactation specialist at the local hospital and as a volunteer with an organization that serves survivors of human trafficking. Andrew is the father of four boys and married to Denise. They love and live in Fresno, California, and Andrew serves as the executive director at Every Neighborhood Partnership, which seeks to connect individuals and organizations to serve at elementary schools in one of the nation's most challenged districts. Kim and Andrew, welcome. And oh, full disclosure, Kim, Andrew, and I all serve at uh, together at church. So we are over on the overseers team together and we are also on the preaching team as well. So welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. So glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Sure. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. It's great to be together. Um, let me start with the question we ask all of our guests. So sort of our standard entry question. So think of a mixed gender partnership that you appreciate from literature or movies and why do you appreciate it? Um, of course, I have to say um, Harry Potter mm. because I'm a true Harry Potter fan, <laughs> number one. And I love the partnership. I mean, between Hermione and Ron, Hermione and Harry, um, they work so well together as a team. And I feel like where one lacks, the other one has a strength and vice versa. But by far, that's my that's my favorite Um movie partnership. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. Yep. I, uh, I think I threw out this question uh, at the breakfast table and Levi, because we're reading Chamber of Secrets, he was like, Harry Potter. Oh. <laughs> so uh, with you. Uh, I'm binning the genre a little bit. Um, I did read a book. So this came from a book recently. I, I did a civil rights tour um, recently in the South. And uh, to do that, I read a book called A More Beautiful and Terrible History. And it's about the uses and misuses of civil rights history. Um, so in it, what they did is they really profiled a lot of um, the background stories of the women in the movement. Um, because, you know, we just see MLK. So they did a, lot, a big feature on Rosa Parks and Coretta Scott King and really like, you know, knowing the history more, 
Um, we just, you know, you see MLK and he's the one that's out front, but it's like, she was the activist. Like mm. she was more politically involved. She was doing more work than he was. Um, and even like, as he took stances, um, Coretta was the one pushing him for, to be anti uh, Vietnam. Um, some of the harder stances that she's like, come on, let's go man up. <laughs> You're the one out there. You're the one with the platform. Like, I, you know, I want you to speak to these issues. So, uh, you know, getting more backstory on her, you realize like, like, man, but behind him, like the, the movement needed a male uh, at that time. Um, and but like the engine was Coretta, like mm-hmm. she's and she, you know, carried his legacy forward for all these years, too. So uh, I think that was really, really fascinating to yeah. just get more backstory. Yeah, that's great. What was the name of the book again, Andrew? It's a um, more beautiful and terrible history by Leanna Thoreas. It was really good. Cool. It's great. Cool. Well, I, we've covered Harry Potter to Coretta Scott King. I think we've got the, the gamut going there. Great. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Well, let's begin by hearing from each of you a little bit about what ministry looks like for each of you. So, Kim, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. So right now, um, ministry in a couple ways, but really involved with an organization, like you mentioned, that um, works with survivors of human trafficking and walking alongside these women, helping them, um, you know, provide really holistic resources. Um, also walking alongside of them, like, and um, being present with them um, in a spiritual way as well. So that takes up a good amount of time during my week, um, but also being on the teaching and preaching team at church, which I love, and um, the overseer team as well, which is a real honor to be a part of and kind of really direct where the church is going. Um, so yeah, that's what day-to-day ministry looks like for me. Awesome. What about you, Andrew? Yeah. So, uh, as obviously Midtown as well. So, um, you know, it started with a small group that met in our living room and it's been fun to watch it grow from there. Um, but that's part of my work. And then uh, EMP, I work at an organization called Every Neighborhood Partnership. And EMP really, uh, our kind of mission statement is to see the church and other community partners engaged at elementary schools and in those neighborhoods. So um, we do from service projects, like this last weekend, we had four service projects all over the city, to volunteers in the classroom, church volunteers getting into classrooms, loving on the schools, blessing the teachers. Um, and then we also do a lot of like resident uh, development. So working with mostly Spanish speaking leaders um, to, to be the change in their neighborhood. So, you know, in my role, I interface like a lot of our partners with our churches. So I'm always in pastor meetings, pastor conversations. So I serve both in that, like I wanted to be anchored in a actual physical church. Um, and then also like kind of, uh, you know, hubbub, uh, you know, just going to all these random meetings all over town to, you know, fan the flame of what, what God's doing in our church here and in our community. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Any coffee shop in downtown Fresno, you're likely to find Andrew in the meeting. <laughs> That's not, not, not true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for you, both of you, one of the things we're curious and we want to ask you about is kind of your journey of developing in your convictions around women and men working together on equal footing, and which is the theme of our podcast. And so I'm wondering if you could share a bit about what that journey has looked like to get you to the point where here you are on an egalitarian podcast. So yeah, share some of that with us. Um, for me, this really began um, 
probably more intensely about 13 years ago. Um, and so um, I was invited in a church that I was a part of to kind of help form the theology of women in ministry. And I mean, I was so young at the time, straight out of college, didn't really know much. Um, and it was honestly through this process, like I would say I probably started the process with a like, I mean, maybe more egalitarian view, but probably more complementarian um, view of women and their roles in the church. But through this study, I feel like I like literally felt like God over and over again was just like, don't you see the freedom? Like, I felt like this study was really to kind of come together with the person I was doing it with and say, you know, ultimately women can do all things except these things. But really when I studied the word, when I was reading books, it was just like, there is freedom in Christ. And I was just blown away. And it was like from that time where I was like, no, I don't feel like this is a feeling. You know, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, you just feel that way. And I'm like, I truly believe this is what Jesus wants for us as women to know the freedom of Christ. Um, and the beautiful part of doing ministry alongside one another is like such a beautiful picture of the body of Christ and how we are designed um, so differently. But when we're together, it is like incredible. And the work for the kingdom that can be done when we work alongside of each other is I feel like so much more powerful. So it really started with a process to kind of write this paper and it actually never ended up getting written. Um, and it, that journey really led me to um, be on this podcast, I guess, today. <laughs> yeah, Kim is being uh, so kind in the process of what actually happened. So she was leading a group and the, and the church elders, leaders kind of came and said, Kim, I don't think you're supposed to be leading this group. Like you're not supposed to be teaching over men. Um, and that seems like what you're doing in this context. So let's match you with this really wise sage who was very kind and he's a gracious man, but like, let's have you sit under his teaching so that you can get an appropriate understanding of what the scriptures say about women leadership. That was that. Wow. <laughs> so that was the context. Yeah. And I, yes, Andrew, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I'm still on a, journey from for myself but with that um but yeah i mean honestly that time was really painful like if i can be mm -hmm. honest that time um i mean so many nights i would come home from work just in tears mm. of um and like going to the bathroom during breaks and just crying mm. in the bathroom just sobbing and like if this is what we believe as the church like where, where do I fit in? Hmm. How do I fit in here? Because I feel like the Lord has given me gifts and I feel mm -hmm. like I am not at a place that values them. Um, and ultimately truly values everything that women are. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, thank you, Andrew. Cause it was, I mean, it was a really painful, hard time, but I, I'm thankful for it because I feel like more than ever it has solidified what I believe the Bible teaches, what I believe, um, and how I live that out. But 
it truly was a very painful time for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Kim, thanks for sharing that. I mean, it feels like, I don't know if I want to put words in your mouth, but it feels like conviction is maybe a word I would use that, that emerged from that time. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yep. That's accurate. Wow. Andrew, how about your journey? Do you want to share a bit about kind of your, where you've been on your journey? Yes. So I came um, very conservative upbringing. I'm from Bakersfield. So it was a uh, MacArthur, John MacArthur, John Piper type of influence church. Um, I remember in high school, uh, we had these leaders who came in were even more conservative. So women couldn't pray on stage in our high school group. Um, I was like, okay, I mean, you know, it's there in the Bible, right? You know, <laughs> reading first Timothy, it's, yeah, we gotta be silent. Um, so very conservative upbringing. I, you know, I didn't have a framework to question it. Um, didn't, I wasn't around other Christians that really had a different way of practicing. So, I mean, what do I know? Right. Um, and I think I, in college, I had my first kind of experiences where I'm around these women who are leading Bible studies and I'm like, I don't think this is okay. (laughs) Like, you know, but, uh, I mean, I guess, okay, whatever. Um, and really walking with Kim, like for me, it was a non-issue. Like I'm a man, I got to do everything I wanted to do or needed to do. I was in leadership from high school and early on, um, and walking with Kim, even through that, like, I mean, Kim knows this, I can sometimes live in my head. And so it's an abstract theological argument, um, not a lived personal experience. And Kim would be in my office crying and I'm like, but, but he's, he's such a nice guy. Like just keep doing the study. Like I'm sure good things will come. Like, you know, there's a lot of regrets. Like I have uh, in that process with Kim of how I walked with her. I think I was like part her boss. Um, and just not knowing like, you know, what is she feeling and, and what is this process like, but watching her go through that journey of hitting, like, I mean, she's a fantastic preacher, fantastic teacher. She was doing an amazing job with this class she was running um, to say that she had no gifts to run it or shouldn't be running. It was just ridiculous. Um, and so watching her hit these walls going like, that doesn't align with what I clearly see God's gift and what she's discipling these folks in. Um, and then, uh, you know, for me, it was quite of a journey, right. To like start to think and process and, um, do it. But that really was the moment that catalyzed the new way of thinking and caused me to be like, I got to look into this. Like it's no longer an abstract theological argument that doesn't, has no impact on me. Um, cause even in our church, you know, our church that we were at, they were, you know, obviously against women in ministry. So I didn't see it. Kim was my very first experience up close watching the pain and the disorientation that that was uh, for her to feel like she had those gifts and for the church to say, you do, but not there. Don't do that. Wow. Wow. Thanks for sharing. That's powerful. Yeah. It got personal, right? Um, Well, let's, you shared a little bit, um, but I'd love to go a little deeper with like, what were some of the key markers or key um, catalysts for you to re-examine this value as you held it. So like books or conversations or experiences that kind of shifted the way that you hold this value. Um, I think for me, like when I was in this process, um, you know, like, I mean, the people I were meeting with and I, I, believe, you know, and I know that they love Jesus with their whole hearts and believe what the Bible says is true. But then what this journey that I was on caused me to do was meet with people on the other side (laughs) that were, you know, viewed 
women um, as equal and meet with them and talk with them and be like, wait, they love Jesus too. And they take the Bible seriously too. Like you can, you know, hold that and say like it. So conversations, um, I remember talking a lot at the time I was living with um, Randy White, who's a great leader in our community um, and having these conversations with him and him just really challenging me to view and look at scripture differently. Um, But two books that really helped kind of really open my mind and see this totally differently um, was the blue parakeet by Scott McKnight. And then also um, Jesus feminist by Sarah Bessie. Mm -hmm. Those two books really were grounding for me. I mean, even with Sarah Bessie's just having so many times of just like reading it and crying and saying, yes, like I am understood. I'm not the only one. Um, and it was just beautiful and like really healing for me. Um, especially reading the Scott McKnight book of like, Oh, like you can, like people do look at scripture differently. Right. (laughs) And so those two books for me, those two especially, um, and just conversations that I have were really eye-opening and, um, yeah, really challenged me to look and read the Bible differently. Yeah, I think, you know, as I've, like, reflected on even all my theological, like, journeys and shifts and, the, you know, what I've done over the last, like, 30 years, um, I operate out of, like, a sense of fear, So I think the slippery slope argument for women in ministry was like very um, powerful to me. Like it caused me to not even want to read, you know, something outside of my camp because I had this, like, I couldn't have named it. Right. But I have this internal intuition that if I question this one idea, it's all going to unravel. And not knowing how to control that journey, not knowing how to control that process that caused a lot of fear and anxiety. So I think like Kim's situation forced me to reckon and face it and say, Hey, it's time to open up. Right. Um, so first the like slow step I did was like Tim Keller, uh, was somebody that allowed preaching in his, in his congregation from women, but not as elders. And so that was the first, like, I, I think I got around that pretty quickly. Cause I'm like, Oh, that solves the situation here. You know, Kim can teach. She's not going to be an elder, uh, but she can preach and teach wherever. Uh, so that was the, like he had their, their church's elder policy or like preaching policy for women uh, was one of the first ones. Um, and then I read uh, how I changed, what was it called? How I changed my mind about women and leadership. It's kind of a collection of essays from various evangelical leaders. Um, that was very ho- thoughtful uh, and helpful because it had a variety of perspectives um, but honestly, up front was like, or up close was just seeing people do it. So I got connected with Randy into this Christian community development circle here in Fresno. So all of a sudden I'm in meetings with Beth Paz and Dina Gonzalez Pina and um, Reese Sky. And I'm around these dynamic, strong, you know, preachers, teachers. And I'm just like, holy moly, like if they can't be pastors, I mean, I can't be a pastor, you know, like the, the giftings, the callings, the leadership that I see in them are people I would, I follow. I, I'd want to follow them. You know, I do follow them. And so um, to be upfront and then to hear them again, express their 
you know, the, the pain they feel as they enter rooms and are disregarded and ignored and passed over for even just praying for a meeting, the little things it's like, I don't see you or I don't validate you hearing those kinds of comments and, and having these conversations with them. Um, I think they're all for the most part, gracious. Some of them were pretty intense, um, but that's okay. You know? Um, so there's also a lot of those like upfront, just like, how has that been for you? Tell me what it's like to be a woman in ministry. Um, you know, and then for some of them, like they never, they've always been in, in really like free spaces that have encouraged them and said, go to, go to seminary. And, um, so I think like, they're just looking at me, like I'm in a bizarro world. Um, <laughs> cause they're like, what world, why do you want to live in that world? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know another world. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> listeners, I should just tell you that Andrew just listed off three amazing, powerful, anointed women who serve or have served here in Fresno. And uh, yeah, good job. That's I, one of the things I love about both of your stories is this interplay between experience and the scripture. And I, I think that's so potent how those two things have informed each other in your, in your journeys. Um, it's mm-hmm. a beautiful picture of that, I think. Registration is now open for CBE's 2022 International Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Join us in person August 5th through 7th as we explore the fullness of Galatians 3.28 beside leaders from around the world. Be a part of the conversation on women, race, and ethnicity. Register now before April 30th to receive the early bird pricing of $249. Visit CBE's website to register and see information on the event schedule, lodging, speakers, and sponsorship opportunities. We hope to see you there this August as we explore the fullness of Galatians 3.28. Let, let, me, um, let me ask you a question about sort of struggles or road bump, ro- uh, bumps in the road, maybe, as you've developed this conviction, as you've landed in a place of conviction. What are some of the struggles you've had or experiences maybe that have been tough to, to work with? Should we reverse the order? I think, Kim, you've been going first. Let's go Andrew first and then <laughs> We'll switch it up. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think really, um, you know, like the main thing. So I think the big roadblock one is is like the fear element. So conquering that to to begin to say, hey, the Bible is actually okay with our questions, our wrestles, our doubts. Um, and then I think I had a huge gap in understanding historical context understanding even what was actually going on. Like I read the Bible through a complementarian lens. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even have the tools or the ways to even read it and see like, Oh, like Paul's writing to the, the men and the women that are running this church, the funders, the female funders of this church. Like I had no frame of reference to even hear that or see that. So I needed a whole new kind of skill set. Um, and a way to even think about like, um, so that's one. And then I think two was like, um, like, I think I had to, you know, pull apart some of my like internalized, you know, and I still think I'm doing it. Like the ways that I just enter a space and I'm going to prioritize a male voice or the way that I'm going to, when I'm thinking about who's going to speak at this thing, I'm thinking through men that are pastors that I know. Um, so, so much of like my circle or who I ask for conversations, um, I think is still like that. That's been so much of the, the, the flavor for me. Um, and then I think, you know, too, as I serve in, um, uh, in at EMP, 
Yeah, you know, I will really want to be inclusive to churches across the spectrum, and we're going to work with anybody who's of good faith or goodwill to do good in our city. Um, and yet, like, I think more and more, I saw, I was teaching a class on Thursday, and I got fired up around this issue. We got into First Timothy, um, and I'm like, I used to be kind of shy about it, or like, hey, there's a lot of perspectives. I'm like, no, done. <laughs> um, so I think now a little bit, it's like I need to tamper my not tamper my passion, but like. You know, you can say stuff in a way that like you want to be heard and you can say stuff in a way that you just want to blow somebody up. Um, and so I'm probably a little bit more on the radical side right now, um, which I think that's the season. And I'll, <laughs> I'll be able to like say it in a way that I'm trying to move people to a new way of understanding that I think is helpful. Um, but yeah, I think those are like three random roadblocks that I've come across. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate those. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah, I think for me, um, roadblocks, I mean, personally, I think coming out of a place um, that was not supportive of, you know, total freedom and uh, for women in ministry, I'm still coming into a place that when I do enter in spaces, even like today, I am very... I, I don't want to say the really hard truths. And so um, even entering to spaces, whether it's like the overseer team that I'm in a part of at church or um, preaching on Sunday, I still have to get over the roadblock of myself of thinking that I can be here and I should be here and that God delights in me being here. Um, I think that is a, a huge roadblock for myself because of where I've come from that I was, I would do things sometimes, um, in my old church community. And I would just be like, I feel like I am like sinning almost right now. Like I shouldn't be doing this. And so that has followed me. And so really having to process that, um, and work through that to, yeah, fully say, no, this is how the Lord made me. These are the gifts that he's given me and he wants me to do this. Um, so that's a huge roadblock for me that I have had to overcome. And I think also just the whole, um, doubting myself, I feel like I don't have a beautiful, eloquent, in-depth theological, like five point essay that I say, this is exactly why, you know, women have total freedom. And so when people want to talk about this, I feel like I don't have that and, and it's okay. Like I have to be okay with that, that I'm not going to go into the Greek of the words, um, in depth and that's okay. Like I don't have to always defend myself. Um, yeah. So to kind of get past that as well is a process that I'm in. It is okay to not have that paper. And I wish they'd let you finish that paper back once upon a time. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, it would be a Uh, much different paper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love how you're just, um, kind of unpacking this process and really how, um, how not dramatic of a shift. I mean, yeah, it's a dramatic shift from, from where you began, but just your posture in engaging and just kind of, um, yeah, it's, it's really helpful hearing your, both your processes. Thank you. Um, what are well, some ways? At least, okay. at least for me, I was just going to say, at least for me, like that's it's become a conviction to where when you know I left the former church, going to looking for a new church, this was the non-starter, right? Like the, mm-hmm. you know, being egalitarian was 
And like having now seen it, even just to be serving with both of y'all, like it's just, it's, it's amazing. Like I could never go back. I could never go back. Like there's nothing to lose. So, you know, even the challenge for anybody else, like there's literally nothing to lose, just more beautiful, godly wisdom uh, that's going to be gained a different perspective ways of communicating and leadership that's going to be seen so yeah i think like the journey i it felt fearful and then now i sit on the other side going like the water's great jump in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the slippery yeah. slope andrew leads into a beautiful lake <laughs> well, yes exactly we'll work yeah, yeah we'll work on exactly that. there's a metaphor there yeah, yeah we'll that's on. your yeah. next book right that's right um well, what are some ways you're living out your conviction in this area? Like, what is that looking like for you practically nowadays? Um, for me, I mean, being a part of the teaching team at church um, has just been incredibly healing, honestly, for myself, healing. Um, but that's a huge way that I live it out. Um And just in conversations with others, I still feel like I am now become this person where people feel safe coming to me to process like what they're experiencing regarding women in ministry. Um, And so I feel like because of my journey, um, I'm a safe place for other women to say, you know, and talk about their hurts and their dreams um, and what they feel like God has gifted them and they don't know where they fit right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that has been a huge honor as well to walk alongside of some of these women. Yeah, I think the the couple of ways I've tried to integrate it over the last couple of years have been uh, one to like put myself under some female leadership. So my spiritual director is a female um, and like that was an intentional like, you know, this role is very, very um, shaping, you know, a monthly commitment to sit down, listen to the Lord together, share, you know, share and, and hear. And so I think, you know, having a female leader under, you know, that I could sit under and just hear her perspective and she can ask me questions uh, has been really, really great. So that's probably been about a year and a half process so far. Um, and then I think like, as I, you know, I'm now in the ED role at EMP, um, really thinking about, you know, the different ways that like, this is like very brass tacks, but like the pay structure, like, you know, we had a pay structure that I think was really functioning because this guy has kids. He starts at this salary. She has kids too, but she has, she's married. And so he's mm. the main provider. So let's, there's a difference in pay for literally no other reason than, you know, sex um, and gender. So I think like, you know, those types of equity um, visions and like, you know, if I really believe this, if I really think that we are co-partners in what God is doing in this world, um, I mean, the pay, sure, there should be no pay difference. And now I'm in a spot that I actually, you know, approve those budgets. Um, and so the the practical ways that it has to move out and, and how I organize meetings and who's in leadership and, you know, like all those little things communicate a lot of like who's valued in your organization, how things work. Um, so trying to live those out. And I think, you know, similar to some of the race conversations, it's like, I don't always get those perfect. And then I step, you know, step on things every once in a while. Um, and so then I'm grateful for Kim or other people around me who call me up and are like, Hey, you probably didn't intend this, but this was the impact. Um, and hearing that difference is like, I think that's the hardest, that's the hardest, like learning lessons where it's like, I didn't intend that. 
but I mean, the impact was, was painful. Um, and so continue to learn and grow, but those are like a couple of ways trying to really do it, um, practically. Those are great. Those are great. Let me, um, let me give you one more question to, to answer, which is, um, the question we like to ask at the end, kind of what is your heart for the church, you know, the big picture church in this area of women and men working together. Um, so this is where you get to share your passion and call the church to something amazing. Andrew, we'll start with you and then give Kim the last word. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I, you know, I think to the, to the church and, you know, I can visualize the churches here in town and churches in Fresno. Um, I, I think about it like, um, you know, you think about Paul's words where he says, um, you know, the work is many, but the labors are few. Um, it's like the churches in our city have an untapped resource um, where the laborers are many. They're just not being called. They're not being trained and they're not being released to serve God's kingdom and the ways that they can. And so uh, instead of always looking outward, instead of always looking, you know, for other male leadership, it's like you, you have it. It exists. Um, and then I, so I think that's like the vision is just like, oh, it's just there. It's just so waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other end is like, you know, I think really with that fear, it's, it's real. Like, is anybody that is, I have these, I continue to have these conversations all the time about women in ministry. And I think the fear to name it and to say, yeah, it's there. Um, that the process and especially deconstruction, it's like such a hot word right now. And it's the cool thing, but like, um, don't be afraid of it. Like consider just read other books, read other things outside of like your, your current stream. Um, and then I think the why is like, you see the toxicity. Um, I'm sure you guys have saw or talked about uh, Christianity today. You have like all these pastors, Hillsong and all these things, mm-hmm. like the toxic stream of how we how we minimize women, how we don't hear their voice, how we don't protect them. Um, our theology is coming to roost and it's rotten. And so like the fruit of it is gross. And so this is a, I think a awakening for us to have a new day to say like, we can do better. Um, and we need to do better uh, for the, for the sake of the kingdom. Like the church is just looking at, or the world is looking at the church, like what the heck are you mm-hmm. guys doing? You know? Um, so yeah, the, there's many laborers. Don't be afraid. And we need it now more than ever. Uh, I prefer my Andrew radical. So stay radical. <laughs> Good. Go ahead, Kim. Ooh, I feel like we need to get an amen. Yeah. Right, right. That was so good. Um, and it's so, oh, it's so true. I just, my heart breaks when I think of so many women that I know that are gifted beyond gifted and just um, don't, like they are, they have their certain area they can serve. And they do amazing at it. But I think, oh, what are we missing? Like the beauty of the church when we serve together, when we are equal co-laborers for the kingdom of Christ. I mean, that is what is the church, like a beautiful picture of the church. And so we truly miss out when we don't have that, um, when there is one above the other. And so I think, you know, just for the church to just really see like the beauty, um, I feel like that is missed, the beauty and the wholeness um, when men and women serve alongside each other, the wholeness of that um, in the books 
of um, the blue parakeet. Scott McKnight refers to it as mutuality instead of um, egalitarianism. And I just loved that term and it has stuck with me for so long. We are mutual labors for Christ. And I just love that. And so I think, um, yeah, just to view it as mutual, we're in this together. Yeah, we're not threatened by each other. We're not having to protect from each other, but we can be, we can seek each other's welfare together as we do mission together. And I love that. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Now now we'll say amen. 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 If folks want to connect with you two on social media or wherever, like what's the best place that people can find you? Uh, I'm a little more present. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a little more present on Twitter. So Mm -hmm. Andrew's file, um, Andrew's file, F E I L. uh, That's probably the best place. Awesome. Kim. What about you, Kim? Um, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not super present on social media, really. You're on that Um, gram. You're on that gram. IG. Isn't that what the kids say? (laughs) Um, I mean, they could find me at Kimber Ruth on Instagram, (laughs) nothing special, or my email, um, which is KimberlyRuth.file at gmail.com. We'll put that in the show notes. Yep. My answer to this was also email because that's the best place to consistently find me, (laughs) which is totally fine. Well, Kim and Andrea, we want to thank you so much for this conversation and just really for opening up your stories to us. And it is, I'm really grateful and um, just struck by the mutual like humility and honor you have for each other and the ways that God has used each other in your lives to walk you on this journey and to to end in this place where you're both being able to love and serve God um, mutually. And so what a gift it is to hear both your stories and your process. And yeah, I just want to thank you for being with us today. Well, and yeah, to you all too, keep up the good work. I'm really glad you're doing this. And even I think for Kim and I, this is good processing too. Like it's a lot of good reflection of like, wow, what a journey, like the Lord has taken us on and obviously his brother and sister and in-law and, you know, but you know, I think also just, yeah, an honor to what God is continuing to form us. He's always shaping us, you know. Rob, that was such a great conversation. and. I just almost want to go back and listen to it again. It was so good, but let's take a couple minutes and just synthesize. So what did you hear? What is staying with you? Yeah, I feel like uh, Andrew and Kim gave us just such a broad spectrum. I mean, like every, I made a lot of notes because it was just excellent from the, you know, so it's almost like come for the description of their journeys and then stay for the prophetic vision at the end, right? But one of the things that really stuck with me was I appreciate that they called out sort of the internalized effects of patriarchy, of misogyny, right? So Hmm. for Kim, that means she gets ready to preach and there's this nagging voice in her head that Mm -hmm. says, are you sure you should be doing this, right? Like there's this, she's overcoming this roadblock, these internal roadblocks, and the same is true for Andrew. And I appreciate how he, he called out, and then when he walks in the room, he expects, he has this internal sense that people should respond to him. And he's, so- so I, I appreciate that. I think a lot of us have that work to do, uh, men and women, of our internal mm-hmm. barriers. We've all been affected by the patriarchy. And so um, there's work to be, inner work to be done. So how about for you, Lai? 
Yeah. I just want to say, I resonate with um, what Kim shared about that. And it makes me even more grateful for her courage to step into her gifting in light of that voice being there and just the power of seeing somebody um, utilize their gifts in courage. And so I love that. Um, For me, I really loved the ways that um, God, I, yeah, I shared this at the end, but just the ways that God used Kim and Andrew in each other's stories and process. And so Kim being um, open about just her vulnerability and her honesty around the pain she was experiencing and the dissonance and the tension. And she wasn't hiding that mm-hmm. from Andrew. This is somebody she cares about, someone in her family, in her life, and just her vulnerability to um, open that process up to him and the ways that God used that for Andrew to even question, like, what am I believing if this is the fruit? Like, what am I, what is happening here? And just really Andrew's learner's posture to re-examine and even just his honesty around, I, you know, he said something like, I had no framework for even learning a different way. And just, I think that learner's posture is so key for both of them to be able to say, is there another way? And just the ways that they both have walked that journey the last decade is um, really beautiful. Amen. That's staying with me. For sure. Well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Follow Christians for Biblical Equality on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date info and content. You can leave us a rating or review on whatever podcast platform you use. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. I'm Lila Van Gerpen, and with my co-host, Rob Dixon, we'd like to thank our talented editor, Landon Hook, as well as Christians for Biblical Equality. Be sure to listen to other episodes with our team of co-hosts coming to your devices every week. We are the Mutuality Matters Podcast. Thanks for listening.